Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays UK, where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. This week, we look at whether the UK can compete in today's changing global markets with Sarah Gresty, Head of Investments, Stephen Peters, Senior Portfolio Manager, and Will Hobbs, Chief Investment Officer. Welcome to another edition of Word on the Street. For this week, we're going to zero in on the UK. The UK is obviously where we are based, so that would make sense. But as we regularly point out, the forces that are driving a multi-asset class funds and portfolios are very much global in nature, hence the wide range of subjects we cover geographically. However, the UK is still very important, not just for us to be able to live in, of course, but some of the investment opportunity set exists here on our shores. And one of the people we have that looks at those opportunities opportunities specifically is Stephen Peters. So he's going to be giving us the latest. But before that, Will, let's start with you as usual. What is the latest in the world? And I guess UK specifically as well this week? Hello, Stephen. Hello, hello, Sarah. Uh, yes, there's still quite a lot going on, to be honest, but it, it sort of temperature seems to have quietened down a little bit. But I think, again, for investors, you've got to try and think about it in two pretty distinct segments. The first is the bit that doesn't really matter in a way because it's mostly pretty accurately priced into markets. That is kind of where we are now, what we think we can see, etc. That's against the second bit that really does matter. And that's the kind of broader, longer term future. Now, for the present, you can certainly speak of a tightrope walk moment. You know, Central bank is still battling inflation and in particular our inflation expectations with the battlefields and you've seen this in the last few months, you know, increasingly littered with some of the unintended victims, you know, so Silicon Valley Bank, you know, and previous the pension blow up in the UK. And some incoming data this week certainly pointed to a bit more economic wreckage in the road ahead. Certainly in the US data, sort of, you know, some of that forward looking stuff was getting a bit more gloomy for sure. However, you know, this is the landscape. Like I said before, you know, this is the warning is that this is the that's already the landscape. The world's investors are kind of jostling to incorporate in prices as we speak. It's not where you as individuals can possibly have a long term edge. I don't think not unless you're doing it full time. That's a full time occupation played by hundreds of thousands of highly motivated full time professionals chasing extra basis points of return. Got to think. Where might your edge be? You're up against the the Stevens of this world, and this and this is why actually we have individuals dedicated, like we always talk about, to TAA. You know, the short term point. What really matters. I know I'm boring about this, but I've got to get it in up front. Is the evolving horizon what we can see in the distance, primarily the technological one, as that's what's going to define the price of your diversified, you know, the exit price of your diversified mix of assets. Uh, And that's where you can pivot to any one of incoming advances in technology and plausibly argue that the interregnum between ICT revolution in our rearview mirror and the AI revolution ahead of us, it's over. Basically, productivity is about to restart again, which is great for everybody, particularly investors. I know that's a massively long-winded introduction, but I do feel it particularly strong at the moment. Yeah, I'm glad you managed to get history and technology into that. (laughs) But maybe specifically anything we should be looking for in the UK? Nothing mega as it goes beyond what we've talked about. So a couple of interesting speeches from the central bank team, I think, if you want to get 
geeky about it, but the UK economy seems to be going nowhere fast. And that, that's actually a little bit better than had been expected so far this year for a couple of reasons. On the inflation outlook, just as those wholesale gas prices have fallen substantially in recent months amidst uh, a warmer than average winter, we're actually seeing another inflationary impulse coming from kind of rises in food prices, driven at least in part by unexpectedly kind of weak crop yields in southern Europe and northern Africa. So as before, there's nonetheless a more plausible sense that the peak of interest rates is in sight for the UK too. But as you know, we as in UK households have got quite a mortgage refinancing burden to uh, already choke down in the quarters ahead. So we've got a tricky few months, but uh, I don't think all is doom and gloom beyond that. Excellent. Thank you, Will. And Stephen, moving to you on the investment side, I hope you don't mind me saying that you do have a tricky job. The companies that you tend to search for and the right investments are not really the ones that dominate the FTSE 100, our main index. So maybe tell us a little bit about what you do. Yeah. Hi, Sarah. Well, so I, as regular listeners may remember, I'm responsible for the searching out of and monitoring of fund managers investing in UK equities. UK equities are, I mean, there's probably 1500 listed companies or so, I imagine something like that. But the vast majority, about 85% of the entire weight of the UK stock market is only in the top 100 stocks of FTSE 100. So these are pretty well covered businesses by analysts around the market. So the vast majority of funds choose to invest in outside or in the smaller and medium sized companies, so outside of those largest companies. So the UK market is dominated by those largest companies. But in the last 20 years or so, we've seen the rise of all the big tech names, which I'm sure we all can think of and are using. The UK has kind of missed that boat. We don't really have any of those big global tech names. There are attractive UK companies, sure, large and small, but not in, in the in the tech sector. In you know, in previous years it's been about oil and it's been about pharmaceuticals, which maybe it's the commodity super cycle. They were times when, you know, larger UK companies were more in favour. And there's nothing to say that that you know won't happen again. It might also be the case that there's some government or government driven or other reason that drives money back into the UK market. We've got other things to think about and other trends to consider as well. Okay, so Stephen, you've, you've kind of posed that challenge, but what do you think can be done about it? And that is the several trillion dollar question. And the short answer is, I don't know. It's not yeah, a new problem. It now. It's rec- solve it now. Solve it now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Fundamentally, Innovative UK businesses do exist. We are excellent, as many people have said, in creating new ideas, new products, new drugs. But if they're private companies, I mean, I know that we're talking about the listed market here, but private companies often are sold by their founders before those companies have been given a chance to grow into something globally significant as a as a listed business. Why is that? Well, one reason, for instance, is that the demand for UK equities has shrunk over the last decade or so. Retail investors, the people listening to this podcast, are quite a small percentage of the ownership of the UK market. We've had institutional sellers leave the UK index and choose to invest elsewhere and in other asset classes. So what could be done? I mean, could it be could UK shares be made easier to buy and own for retail investors? Or could there be some change in the tax system in some way. I just don't know. I mean, I'm, I, but I am just about old enough to remember the, the privatisation boom of the 1980s, you know, all of the nationalised industries 
going public. Don't tell Sid and all that. So, it, you know, it can be done. And without absolutely not wanting to sound uh, nationalistic about this, is there a, an opportunity for a bi-British strategy to be promoted by someone or something? I just, you know, there's just ideas. Sadly, no solutions. One other problem I would say is, and this is looking at what I look at, is that I don't think the fund management industry understands growth. Um, and I don't think maybe investors understand growth either. We've got we've got a few managers in the market who are you know truly visionary, who are prepared to back long term businesses from and turn acorns into oak trees. But um, but they're 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 rare. They're disappointingly rare. So you know another question is how do we change the the culture of investment in the UK where the financial press or even the mainstream press don't pillory fund managers for backing companies that go wrong. You know, they invest endeavours and all that, but and things do go wrong. But why don't we encourage people to take these types of uh, types of risks? An interesting way of putting it, just in conclusion, is that a, a recent a fund manager recently he said that we as a country are happily wagering every weekend on and betting on the number of goals in a particular football match or a number of corners in a football match. Why can't we bet on wealth creating people and and businesses? Why is that such a worse bet than ones related to football? I'm going to disagree. I think no, investment companies is more interesting than football agree, matches, but that might be a personal view. Stephen, maybe well, I'm hoping that we can have a little bit of positivity and you might be able to tell me and the listeners why we shouldn't ignore UK equities or maybe continue not to ignore them. For sure, absolutely. So you shouldn't ignore UK equities. And there's a few reasons why you shouldn't ignore our own heart, own market. And the first is one I've mentioned already. There are really, really good companies listed in the UK and there's big companies and there are good small companies. So on that basis, you shouldn't ignore it. It's hard to predict change. Clearly, it's hard to predict changes of sentiment, but um, it does happen. And inevitably, people won't know when it's happening. They won't recognise it until several months or maybe even years after the event. But change does happen. Secondly, and I think this is an important one, there is data which shows that active management, so the type of active fund manager stock selection, that the skill that I'm looking for in the market, it's almost easier. I'm kind of a bit nervous to use that word. But data says that active management is more successful in the UK than in other markets around the world. There's a lot to that statement, which we could perhaps expand on in a future time. But generally, fund managers have a better chance of generating outperformance in the UK than they may do in other markets around the world. Stephen, maybe to push you a little bit yeah. on that, do you think that's because yeah. there's better access to information or are there just better Stephens in the UK than are covering other geographies? The broad reason is that the market is dominated, as I mentioned, by the you know the very, very large companies, the multinational companies that sit at the top of the FTSE 100 index. But over many years, fund managers have found that they can find really good companies growing their earnings and their dividends and their sales and their profits in the mid and small cap bit of the market. And so over the last decade or so, what managers have done is they've chosen to invest in medium and small companies instead of larger companies. And that is the reason why performance has been better, because over the last how many years, medium and small companies have done better than larger companies. Now, there's absolutely no guarantee that that will continue in the future. It didn't happen last year, for instance. 
But that is one of the reasons why over the longer term, independent data does show that uh, the UK market has been a, a happier hunting ground for active management than the US or Europe or emerging markets or Asia, etc. No guarantee that it will continue in the f going into the future, but that's how it's been in the past. The only other two points I was going to raise was clearly owning good companies simply because they they operate in the same country in which you live. That's not an investment strategy, but it may give one some satisfaction in investing in companies that you know, operate in your town or city or, or region. And then finally, and most importantly, I'm just going to repeat the eternal message of diversification. We often talk about it, but it is the right thing to do. You don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. You don't want to be entirely invested in US equities or, you know, emerging market bonds or whatever it might be. So diversification. The UK does merit its part in a diversified portfolio. Excellent. Thank you very much, Stephen. That's really interesting. And I definitely won't be ignoring UK equities, but as you mentioned, diversification also important. So thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Will. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. I look forward to speaking to you all again soon in another Word on the Street. All investments can fall as well as rise in value, and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation.